Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The sun rises on a new day. The first light beams on the water above the top secret underwater base, not knowing what evil lurks below the surface. For Dr. Octopus is putting the finishing touches on his newest doomsday device. This time, they'll have to admit my genius as they cower in fear before me. It is then that a trench coat clad detective roller skates into the lab. No, no, I said go, go, Gadget Umbrella! Inspector Gadget stammers. Dr. Octopus glares at the intruder. I'm too close this time. I won't let an imbecile like you stop my plans. As he lashes his robotic tentacles at Gadget. The inspector, however, had leaned down to pick up a quarter, and the blow missed. Doc Ock is not swayed, however, as he dives headfirst into this battle. It's Cyborg versus Cyborg. It's the Master Planner versus the Top Inspector. It's Dr. Octopus versus Inspector Gadget. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gabsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. In today's episode, we are bringing you another guaranteed, soon-to-be geek culture classic, at least I think so. In one corner, you have Inspector Gadget, no offense, Ray, the cyborg law enforcement officer that, unlike RoboCop, has oh. yet to lose a match. Yeah, I had wow. to say that. Sorry, wow. we're starting this off strong. Season four starts with shade. I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. Versus Doc Ock, one of Spider-Man's most relentless, and dare I say, most underrated members of his rogues gallery. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. Now, I was actually on the fence about this one because these two characters have been around for, I don't know how many decades. So surely the internet must have previously matched up these two characters in a battle. I was pretty much assured that would be the case. And yet again, wow. I found out, yeah, with absolute certainty, right? This is the crazy part. This fight has never been discussed That's before. wild. I would have absolutely assumed. Look, the people are uncreative. The people always say, you know, oh, here's, here's a blue character. And they're like, here's 58 blue characters that they should fight. It's like, no, the people don't know what they're talking about when it comes to battle planning. The fact that these two characters are cyborgs, I just naturally assumed that they were had been that they had been put together at some point. It's a natural assumption. Two characters with like telescoping arms, 
lots of you know tech and what have you. Uh, by the way, calling them buffoons, is that what you called our audience? Yes, they're idiots, James. I've been pretty clear on this from day one. Gotcha. This may be why, you know, this may solve the mystery of why your uh, shirt sales aren't where you thought they should be. But I'm just James, you, know, you don't want to talk about T-shirts. As of this episode, there is a new T-shirt design in the store, the James Gavsey inspired shirt. Why don't you tell the people about it? Well, I was going to save this for later on, but yes, we have a new T-shirt. Uh, it's actually inspired by Ray Sikane's favorite technique that I use on the show. I'm, of course, I'm talking about the infinite mass punch you used by The Flash, but not just used for The Flash anymore. I believe Santa Claus used it. I believe Ash Ketchum, even without Pokemon, used it. I believe uh, Batman can now use it as well. It's not just for The Flash anymore. It's something the whole family can use. Get your infinite mass punch shirt today. From the Who Would in Who Would Win merchandise store. All right, listen. Back to the topic at hand. Doc Ock versus Inspector Gadget. Never been discussed before. This is a premier geek culture matchup brought to you again by Who Would Win because we know how to do these matches. Unlike anybody else, that's been confirmed. Ray, give us your thoughts on today's matchup. Look, I am always excited about a similar but different matchup. Look, I hate the obvious on-the-nose matchups, the Goku versus Supermans of the world, even though we've done that one before. If two characters are exactly the same, I don't find much interest in breaking down the nuances. But when two characters are similar but wildly different, as is the case today, that's the kind of match that gets me revved up and let's keep it real. The people have been requesting Inspector Gadget for years and years to be on the show. I don't know exactly why I'm going to pummel him today with a superior (laughs) character. Huh. Huh. Wonder what that means. I have no idea. Listen, you know, what's crazy about this is that you have two characters that kind of have this tech based power, you know, for what, what, or what have you, but it's really a clear example of intellect versus buffoonery that somehow works. This is why I love this kind of matchup. And I love that we're using, you know, of course, Doc Ock's been around since what the sixties, but inspector gadgets, part of that eighties iconic group of cartoons that we all love. I did. And, you know, Ray, it's something you and I have talked about off of the show as well as many other people. You know, what do you think? Should these classic cartoons, because Inspector Gadget's been rebooted quite a few times, both in live action, different types of animation, the whole thing. Do you think a great series from the 80s should be rebooted or should it just have the same storyline, you know, keep going through the years? What's your thought on that? I have a very specific viewpoint on this, and that's if you're going to take an old nostalgic property and you're making a choice to reboot it, you'd better have something new to say. You'd better have a new take on the property that at least is worth exploring. If your entire goal is to take something that already existed and then just do it again, you're no different than Vince Vaughn doing a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho that nobody asked for. I don't want Ninja Turtles that are still doing the exact same Ninja Turtle stuff. And if you reboot Inspector Gadget, I want you to have a different idea. I want you to have a new take on the character that's fresh and interesting, not just doing the same thing that I sort of remember from when I was, you know, eight years old. That's not the world I want. I want a world with interesting people with interesting takes on existing properties. If you're going to do it, do it that way. Okay, so I'm actually in agreement with you on that one. So what happens if you're in a situation where someone reboots a classic, uh, you know, animation or series or what have you, and it turns out to be horrible? 
Should there be, because I think there should be a massive, horrific punishment so that if you're going to attempt such an undertaking, you need to know there's a lot on the line. I'm talking a lot on the line. If you screw this up, something really bad and permanent is going to happen to you. That's just where my head's at. Ray, do, are we on the same page with that as well? I mean, that feels a little harsh. Uh, I feel that uh, uh, artistic failure is its own demon. Are you kidding me? You and think that, are we, have we switched bodies? What's going on here? I, I think, James, I just think you're being a little bit mean. I think that you should be kind to, to artists. I think you should pay for your art. I think a lot of crazy things. Fair. So I think we're both in agreement. Yeah, you should get punished real bad. You got to do it. If you're going to do it, do it right and be fantastic at it or don't even try it at all. That's just you know the bottom line. That's your message from Who Would Win. Now, speaking of doing it just right, it's time to introduce our guest judge. Making yet another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's the host of the Brentfest podcast with Brent Pope. It's the executive VP of Who Would Win. It's the person who can fire both Ray Sikanis and myself if he so chooses. It's the one and only Brent Pope. Brent, welcome back to Who Would Win. Hey, guys. Welcome. Uh, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's been, even though it's been you had so no long. Choice. It's been so long. You had no choice, but thank you anyway. Uh, I really thought that since we're starting season four, since there were so many controversial decisions at the end of season three that kind of decided the season, I need to make sure daddy's here to start off the season right. <laughs> All these controversial decisions at the end that were really close. They weren't close. James wiped the floor with Ray and I they stayed close. Wow. I, I mean, dare so, you're, not, you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then I got all, you know, all the, what are the, what are race, the rain dead regimen or whatever Ray's uh, fans are called. Is that what they called? Or the, the reindeer, the lames. reindeer lames. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, the Rainiacs. That's what we went with. That's oh. what he, that's what he went with. Yeah. Oh. It's not bad. I've heard worse. Okay, sure. Yeah. Kinda. I've, I've heard, heard worse, words. like reindeer lames. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? It is still kind of the holiday season, is it not, Ray? I mean, it's a very appropriate name. It's a new year, and this is a new season, but it's still the same Brent Pope. I'm glad to see nothing has changed there. <laughs> nothing. New year, same Brent. <clears throat> same Brent. You know, Brent, you you do so much with the Who Would Win show, you know, both, uh, you know, behind the scenes and in front, of course. And you also have your own show, the uh, Brent Fizz podcast with Brent Pope. And that's been going strong for a few years now. Uh, tell us about that. Tell the Legion of Audience uh, all about the show that our executive VP is doing. Uh, Brent Fizz with Brent Pope is, uh, you know, where Hollywood meets great food. I go out and have breakfast or Brent Fist. With wow. uh, somebody from the, the area of any area of entertainment, uh, I'm about to have somebody on for from you know the the current cast of Hamilton. You guys ever heard of that? Wow. Maybe I get to duet with him on the show, right? Jealous a little bit, uh, but play, <laughs> you know, could be could be somebody from anywhere. I've I've had both of you guys on the show, uh, and I have to say, you know, both of your appearances are very very close in the amount of listens. So. Maybe we have to do this again and like uh, have a round two with 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 James and Ray, or maybe have you guys both on together. That might be fun too. Oh boy, now I have a packed schedule. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to work whatsoever. But, uh, I don't think a mere podcast episode can contain all of this. We barely <laughs> no. manage it now. But anyway, we have breakfast. We talk about our breakfast, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think you learn a lot from people about what they choose for breakfast, uh, and we you learn a lot about a lot of recommendations for little places in LA around the LA area. And then we we talk about people's artistic journeys. We get you get recommendations at the end of the show and things that they're they're watching that people may not be watching. So it's a little bit of something for everybody. And uh, you know, 
for the fans of who would win, you should still go back if you haven't and listen to Ray and James's episodes and get some, episode. get some more downloads for them. Yeah, because yeah. I think they're both great episodes. Yeah, they are fantastic episodes, if I do say so myself. Uh, you know, Brent, you're a fan favorite amongst the uh, legion of audience, the massive and always growing fan base of who would win. You know, I know that you uh, use your executive powers and uh, we had quite a few judges lined up and they kept canceling for some reason. And then all of a sudden Brent was there. Interesting. Not surprising. I'm actually happy with that. So as a judge, tell us what makes you the perfect judge for today's episode. What makes me the perfect judge for today's episode is we're starting up a whole new season. We got to start off on the right foot. I have two right feet. Wow. So that's helpful right there. Not to mention, I'm, you know, I know both of these characters, Doc Ock, Inspector Gadget, and I'm a fan of both these characters. So I'm super psyched to hear what you guys are going to bring and what, what you're going to mention and not mention about all these characters. I've seen uh, the new Spider-Man three and a half times, and I'm going to go see it again tomorrow. It's fantastic. Also, I'm the, uh, the executive vice president, so that just makes me the best regardless, right? I mean, you're the executive VP for a reason. I mean, so many people want that position, and you just took it for yourself. Clearly, you know how to handle power. I think he just bought into it. I, I believe he just he just <laughs> went to the board and paid the money. I think that's oh, how is that what it was. That's my understanding. I paid like, them compliments and money. And <laughs> <laughs> I hear that's how you get into USC these days. Is that oh, correct? Wow. Yeah. I saw the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. I had to. All right. This is great. We've got one of our favorite judges of all time, the executive VP, Brent Pope. We've got two great characters. We have Racy Kings. We have myself. We have the beginning of season four, Legion of Audience. Let's get this party started. With that being said, Ray, do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the mad scientist who recently got involved in financial politics. After all, who can forget Octopi Wall Street? Dr. Octopus. And representing Deke Animation, the detective who's got 99 problems, but reaching the top shelf of literally anywhere ain't one of them, Inspector Gadget. Is it Deke Animation? Is that how you pronounce it? That is correct. That is how the small child at the end of the program says the term. I stand corrected. All right, now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Now, Ray, what version of Doc Ock will you be using for today's matchup? Well, I decided to try a little curveball today and use the Marvel 616 version of, of Dr. Octopus. Take that, James Gapsy. So unexpected. I love it. All right, listen, there's been a lot of versions of Inspector Gadget, but you got to go with the classics. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. I'm going, going with the exact version of the 1980s classic Inspector Gadget with some feats from the continued storyline of Inspector Gadget and the Gadgetinis. That's a classic uh, series as well. All right, rule number four. Amazing. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but we give given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, of course, we mentioned this at the top of the show. Don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, your Ray is Right shirt, your hashtag IMF shirt, and of course, our new Infinite Mass Punch shirt, 
just available just now, plus mugs, merchandise, everything else you can imagine by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And now let's get to the table of the tape for both of our opponents. Ray, please give us the details on Doc Ock. Dr. Octopus is a mad scientist and constant enemy of Spider-Man. He first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number three back in 1963 and was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Dr. Otto Octavius was a brilliant man of science who wore a harness consisting of four metal tentacles, which nominally helped him to do said science, but more importantly, gave him super strength and tactical maneuverability on the battlefield. Of course, in a lab accident, his harness got permanently fused to his body, somehow turning him evil. Cunning and maniacal, Doc Ock has pushed Spider-Man to his limits and beyond, countless times. And fun fact, Dr. Octopus has had many wild adventures, but perhaps none as bizarre as the time he tried to get married to Aunt May. 
After saving May from Spider-Man, Doc Ock got engaged to her in order to gain access to an island with a nuclear reactor on it that May had recently inherited because, you know, it's a totally normal thing that totally normally happens. Their wedding is crashed, however, and Spider-Man rescues his aunt from a truly weird story, and that is Dr. Octopus. If I had a dollar for every time I've seen that story played out on TV. It's such a wild story because, like, the whole point of Aunt May is that she's destitute, but apparently she has relatives who own islands with nuclear reactors on them. I don't understand how any of this works, but I'm here for it. There's layers to Aunt May. There's a lot about her we don't really know and and possibly we don't want to know. It's all true. It's all true. Just put that out there. All right. Well done, Ray. Here are the details for Inspector Gadget. Now, Inspector Gadget was created by Bruno Bianchi, Andy Hayward, and this is French, by the way, Jean Chalopin. Mm-hmm. And first appeared, you like that? And first appeared in the pilot of the iconic animated series called Inspector Gadget way back in 1982. John Brown was just your average, ordinary police inspector. But there came a day, a fateful day, that is, when John Brown tragically slipped on a banana peel and fell down a flight of stairs after an intensive operation, an operation that, I don't know, maybe it was necessary, maybe it wasn't. I mean, he just slipped on a banana peel. It doesn't sound that bad, but whatever. John Brown awoke to find he had more than 13,000 crime-fighting gadgets embedded into his body, and thus Inspector Gadget was born. Since that time, Inspector Gadget, with the help of his niece Penny, and his insanely smart dog Brain, has been successfully fighting the evil forces of the terrorist organization known only as MAD, and its leader, Dr. Claw, the nefarious would-be world conqueror. And here's an interesting fact about Inspector Gadget. Did you know that until very recently, Inspector Gadget was drawn without a certain body part? It's true. Inspector Gadget has been around since the early 80s, but it wasn't until the 2015 reboot that he was finally drawn with this very important body part that helps the audience know just what kind of mood he was in. Ray, can you guess what body part that was? Man, I... I can't think of what's missing, so I'm going to guess eyebrows. That is correct. Oh! That is correct. Well done, Ray. Subliminal knowledge. It's crazy how you you just figured that out with, you know, any nothing. So it was eyebrows. Inspector Gadget evidently didn't have eyebrows until 2015 because, you know, who really needs them? And I think he used his hat, the rim of his hat. To uh, instead of eyebrows to emote, I think I'm not. I'm really glad sure. he didn't do that thing where they put the draw the eyebrows on the hat because that kind of thing drives me crazy. That would have been like thirteen thousand and one gadgets. Yeah, too many. That's too many. That that would have been that would have killed the whole thing. Now you have the facts on both opponents. Brent, do you have any questions before we get started? Um, I don't think so. I think you guys both explained. I actually didn't know his gadgets uh, origin story, so that's inter- interesting. Slipping out. Of, that seems correct. Uh, I guess we're just going to, you know, I just want you guys to both encourage you both to uh, show me which of these two characters has the most tentacular fortitude. <laughs> That's probably who's going to win. You know, anyone else, I'd give a groan. But since you're the executive VP, that was fantastic, Brent Pope. Thank you. Hope you have more of those zingers for the show. Fingers Zing. crossed. There you go. It's 2022. You got to try out new stuff. Exactly. All right. Speaking of new stuff, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one, let's just talk about the basics of Dr. Octopus, because we'll start with his massive intellect. Look, he's a doctor. He's got a PhD. He's a science guy. Look, he's a guy who can, what, invent this harness thing in the first place that can, you know, use brainwave activity in order to control tentacles to very precise 
functions and these tentacles are very unwieldy. They're very strong and they have a lot of power behind them and he can use them to do very, very specific radioactive handling, which let's face it, you don't want to use, you know, oven mitts to work with those type of uh, substances. So he is a absolute genius. Now, I'm not going to argue that Dr. Octopus is on a Reed Richards, MODOK, Dr. Doom level of smarts, but I got to believe there's like a 1A tier in the Marvel Universe right under those ridiculous top-level people. And I absolutely would say that Dr. Octopus is on that level somewhere. Now let's talk about the physicals because he has insane strength as a result of these tentacles. He's used his tentacles to break webs from Spider-Man, which we all know has the strength of what is it? Tensile steel? Is that how that line works? That is correct. He tears into it. Let's face it. When it comes to things that are made of metal, when it comes to things that are made of concrete, I couldn't sit here and list off 20 different things that he's torn through like it was tissue paper. He's been, he crushes steel, steel bars, tears them apart. Concrete blocks smashes them into a million pieces. He once picked up and threw a train car for gosh sakes. And yeah, when it comes to big, big, thick blocks of concrete, absolutely drives through them like they're not even there. He tears metal doors off of their hinges. He just rips through absolutely anything. So if you can tear through metal the way that Dr. Octopus has shown he can do, There's nothing stopping him from tearing Inspector Gadget and his metallic infrastructure from limb to unfortunate limb. He's also surprisingly fast with his tentacles. They move with the speed of of a robot. They move with the speed of a lot of computations. They actually can occasionally act independently of his thoughts, although they don't always do that, but they can. I'll get into that a little bit later. He's used his speed to block bullets from regular handguns as well as automatic weapons, you know, uh, automatic machine guns and those sort of things. He can use the tentacles to block all the bullets, which requires speed. He's also used his speed to catch Daredevil, a very fast acrobatic character. Hawkeye, very famous Hawkeye, just had a show that just ended. Shot him with an arrow. He was able to pluck that arrow out of the air, taking a certain degree of skill. And he's able to dodge Spider-Man, who has, you know, superhero strength, superhero Uh, super powered level speed. He's able to dodge and fight Spider-Man very, very well. He's also a surprisingly good fighter. For being a scientist, he has the ability to do combat maneuvers and he's used his power arms to move around and maneuver himself in such a way that he's going to be very hard to hit and he's going to hit very hard when he ends up doing so. He moves as fast as Spider-Man when Spider-Man is flipping his webs through the city and going around using his tentacles. Dr. Octopus can maintain a similar rate of speed to keep up with him and one time he stopped a train. A train was coming right at him. He stood right in front of it and boom, took the train right off the tracks One would argue he handed that train's butt to it. I don't know if trains have butts. They have cabooses. He handed its caboose to it. And I think that's very, very important. He's just a physical overmatch for Inspector Gadget. And that's my point number one. All interesting points. What did it sound like when when, uh, Doc Ock handed the train its caboose? I have to assume a lot of uh, tearing metal and a lot of sad screams. From the train. I mean, trains can scream. Uh, I've seen the documentary, Thomas, the tank engine. Oh my God. That, that guy's going to get it someday. All right. Now, how strong is each arm or each tentacle of Doc Ock? I mean, each individual arm did some of the things I said earlier, the tearing through metal, the tearing through concrete. Each one has a huge level of strength. That's right, Ray. Eight tons. Each arm can lift eight tons. So combined, but here's the thing. There's a slight limitation 
he can't just stand there and use all four arms at at once to lift something. One arm actually has to use be used as like a, a stand, uh, so that he can use the other three arms to like push against it and lift something up. So it's about twenty four tons or so that he can lift at one time. Very impressive, by the way. That is a lot of strength. Okay. Now you also said that you know he can tear people apart with that. How many times has Inspector Gadget been um, torn apart or you know ripped apart or had flesh ripped off him? Yeah, or I'm not going to let you pull this nonsense Scooby Doo <laughs> argument, James. You have Just a wondering. character from a child's cartoon of the early '80s. Yes. We- these cartoons famously do not do blood or evisceration or gore, but that's not to say that you're going to be in that universe when this fight takes place. I won't let you. All I'm saying is that there's a lot of anime from that time, from the 80s, just as it, like you said, where there is a lot of gore yeah, and, you know, that kind of anime, stuff. That's anime, James. That's a different genre altogether. Is Inspector Gadget an animated series? You're, you're, you're reaching. I am because you know why it's fun. All right. Let me get to my point. Number one, I had to do it. It's been a while since I pulled that. Uh, let's talk gadget. Shall we? Cause you got to do that when you talk about inspector gadget. Now, again, it's stated that inspector gadget has well over 13,000 gadgets or cybernetics, if you will, in his body. And of course we haven't seen them all because we don't have the time for that, but there are a number of them that come in quite handy that he relies on quite a bit. So let's just go over those main ones to kind of illustrate how great inspector gadget is. So he's got springs in his legs that enable him to walk over tall objects, jump super long distances, jump super high in the air. And they also enable him to move very unpredictably. It's kind of crazy that way. He's got these bionic arms that can extend and act very similarly to Doc Ock's arms, only they can be much longer, enable Inspector Gadget to hit things from like a much further range. He's got greater range with his arms as well. Uh, let's see. He's got, speaking of bionic arms, he's got an additional eight robotic arms that comes you know forth, like kind of spring forth from his body. And each of his arms has a, uh, a hand. So I'm assuming four left hands, four right hands, and he can use those independently as well. It's kind of weird that he's got that. He's got a bazooka or what he calls a gadzooka that fires seemingly an unlimited number of high explosive projectiles. He never runs out of ammo. Again, you can call that bad writing of the 80s. I just call that an awesome bazooka. Let's see. He's got an inflatable coat that enables him to not only float, uh, cushion his fall from falls from super high heights, but it also uh, you know protects him from high impacts as well. It's like a really cool bloated suit of armor. He's got another robotic arm that comes out of his head that can be used to hit you, grab you, or do whatever. His robotic arm also like pulls out these objects. He's pulled out a jackhammer, a hammer the size of a a van, uh, all these crazy things that he can use as weapons and offensively. It's really weird. I'm not sure how he pulls them out, where he stores them, but it's a thing. Uh, Let's see. Speaking of his hat, he's got a spring that comes out of the top of his hat so that if he falls from a high distance, he just lets himself fall head first onto the ground when the spring comes out and it just bounces, compresses and bounces him back to his standing position. It's a crazy thing. He's got these roller skates that appear under his feet that are able to move really fast. And guess what? His roller skates have rockets on them. Why? Because rockets, that's why. He's also got a rocket that comes out of his back that enables him to like fly in the air and even go into space, which is crazy. He's got an extendable neck that you know, it's kind of like an, an arm, and he uses that neck to move his head out of the way to get better view of something, to also ensnare people. His tie can be used like Batman's bat rope, you know, where he can shoot it out, he can go far distances, grab on something, pull him up, and you almost use like Spider-Man's webs to help him like fling around the city. It's a really crazy thing. He's got a helicopter that comes out of his head with handles, and that helicopter moves super fast and is super powerful. It's Inspector Gadget can take himself up to the air and grab onto large objects on the ground, pull them up. That means as strong as he is, he's even stronger when he's flying. That's a crazy thing. He's got a weaponized boom box that makes such powerful sounds 
that they can knock people through the air into walls and smash them around. And finally, he has his really cool go-go gadget arsenal where he brings out all of his arms, all 13 of them, and they're all holding an assortment of lasers, missile launchers, or some other type of high-powered weapon, and he fires them all simultaneously. It's kind of weird that was in a kid's cartoon, but that's a thing. Look, there's still another about, I don't know, 13,000 more cybernetics at his disposal, and I don't think Doc Ock's going to see these ones coming, never mind the thousands of other ones he has stored somewhere on his body. All that together is my point number one. Interesting. Now, Inspector Gadget has a lot of tricks. That is a big thing that this character is known for. And I had actually forgotten about the spring that comes out of his hat where he goes all Leroy <laughs> Jenkins head first at the cement and then bounces himself back up in the air again. That's not going to help him here. Now, one question I have, when he had all 13 missile launchers, laser pistols, what person did he shoot them at? The one person he shot them at, was it the speedster? My point is, Inspector Gadget has this entire array of of potential weapons, but he Mm -hmm. tends to use them on inanimate objects, or he tends to miss and hit the thing over someone's head, dropping a piano on them or whatever nonsense he does. Inspector Gadget does not have a killer instinct. He does not seem to have a will for combat. I believe in an actual physical combat situation because Inspector Gadget very often does not know what is going on around him in a very Mr. Magoo way. I would just make the argument that he's not an offensive kind of fighter. He's a lucky fighter. And on top of it, when he does want to use a specific gadget, more often than not, that gadget does not happen. That gadget does not work. He wants to use the helicopter, and what ends up happening? He says, go, go, gadget, copter, and then his rocket roller skates all of a sudden pop out because his voice commands are trash. That is actually a very correct statement. With that being said, the previous statement where he doesn't really go offensive on people, you'd be right in the 1980s series. He's kind of like a Mr. Magoo, a race to Canis, if you will. However, in the continuation of that series, the iconic Inspector Gadget and the Gadgetinis, whereas these two little clones of himself walking around helping him out with stuff, he actually does pull a James Gabsy and get very offensive and does get into fights and does some cool maneuvers with so, the supervillains he's faced. So he's evolved a little bit. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is using later versions of these characters is completely on the table. I'm saying using the continuation. Yeah, if someone's if it's within the same storyline, absolutely, you got to use whatever that character is doing. Okay. As long, no, that's good to know. As long, that's good to know. as long as it's a permanent thing to that character. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. It. All right, Brent Pope, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? I have a, a couple questions before I tell you that. So, James, he has the, if he's not using the, doing the go-go, well, when he does the go-go gadget arms and he's using all 13 of them, is that something he can use for a long period of time? Is it something that he uses and then it gets used up? Great question. There, there doesn't really seem to be a power limit to what he can do. Like he's not running out of power, like, oh, no, I'm out of like that doesn't seem to really happen to him. I will say this though, to Ray's point, to be quite frank, the more arms that are out there, I get a little concerned for Inspector Gadget tangling the arms. And thereby kind of, you know, some buffoonery happening. I think that's more of a likely scenario than him running out of power. Again, he's got a good uh, a bazooka that never runs out of ammo. Okay. And would you describe his, that he is kind of like a Mr. Magoo where he's getting lucky? Or is it like a kind of a drunken master type thing where this is just his style and it seems that way, but it's really more than you think it is? 
I think it's a little bit of column A and column B. There's definitely a Mr. Magoo thing happening with some buffoonery. But at the same time, Brent Pope, you can't have someone be that lucky that often. We're talking like, you know, over two decades of luck. There's got to be some style there as well that he unintentionally is tapping into. Gotcha. All right. Well, I I mean, just from the get-go, I guess what's concerning me about Inspector Gadget is he, I guess on one hand, he's a little uh, unpredictable, which might have some problems for Doc Ock. On the other hand, we know that Doc Ock is very precise. And so I know that what he's aiming for, he's probably going to hit or at least attempt to hit, and then maybe Gadget either blocks it or doesn't block it. Whereas Gadget, we've even said that sometimes his voice activation will activate the wrong thing. And that could spell real disaster for Gadget real quick. That's my concern. So I guess after round one, I would say that Doc Ock uh, has a slight advantage. Interesting, interesting. All right, cool. I like where your head's at, Brent Pope. This is an interesting matchup. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very intrigued by this. With that being said, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Dr. Octopus. I want to just talk about how ruthless he is and about uh, some of the extra things that Dr. Octopus has done. Now, he is an absolutely ruthless individual. I mentioned earlier, he tried to marry Aunt May. Why? Because she inherited an island with a nuclear reactor on it. This is a man who turns morals off. I would argue Inspector Gadget is somebody who has morals on most of the time. In a fight between these two, Inspector Gadget might not want to hurt another human being. And Dr. Octopus would have no problem wiping the floor with Inspector Gadget. But also, Dr. Octopus is a super genius, as I said before. He's created hordes of what are they called? Octobots? that he's rampaged around New York City in. He is a character who could have an army of robots around him at any given time. He is a master of tech. In fact, you said before that Inspector Gadget had eight arms at one point. Well, Dr. Octopus in a more recent version upgraded his harness to have eight arms himself so he can match Inspector Gadget arm for arm uh, as as this battle goes around. Also, he can use his arms even if they're not physically attached to him. He has a psychic connection to his harness that even if his harness was somehow removed or or there were other harnesses around, he's had three over the course of his comic book career, he can access and use other harnesses that at one point a harness walked across the country to come get him and bring him home. It was kind of great. But also his, his limbs can act independently. Inspector Gadget, as I've seen, needs to sort of be in control of all of his limbs at the same time. And he's a little bit of a dopey character. I don't know that he has the higher brain function to handle 13 weapons at the same time to what you said earlier, James. I would argue the more weapons Inspector Gadget brings out, the better that is for Dr. Octopus, to be quite honest with you. Because one weapon, maybe he gets lucky. Ten weapons, two of those are going into his legs. You know what I'm saying? That's Inspector Gadget. However... The tentacles, the arms of Dr. Octopus could act independently of him and kind of have AI of their own and can dodge parry attacks even if Dr. Octopus doesn't see them coming. Those arms on their own beat Spider-Man once. Pretty important character, pretty big deal. They beat him without Dr. Octopus even being involved. He also has been known to use special gas in order to muck up and create like an unseeable situation on a battlefield. And his special goggles allowed him to see through the gas, but his opponents could not. I don't know if Gadget has an answer for that. Maybe in 13,000 Gadgets he does, but I at least want to mention it. Not only that, these arms have been upgraded to adamantium. 
And another uh, upgrade beyond that to something I believe even more powerful, whose name I'm completely blanking on. I should probably have written it down. Oh, well, at the very least, he has adamantium, which is Wolverine's claws, Wolverine's skeletons. There's nothing going to cut through it. It's not going to take us out. And Peter Parker once said that Dr. Octopus could have defeated the combined efforts of Spider-Man, Hulk, the entire Fantastic Four, Ghost Rider, Deathlock, and Solo by himself. Nobody's saying that about Inspector Gadget here, now, or forever. At the end of the day, he's too smart, he's too strong, and he's got too much anger and will to hurt people for Inspector Gadget to have a chance, and that's my point number two. Excellent points. Let me answer a couple of things here. First of all, the adamantium tentacles, that was something that happened, I believe, in the 90s for a short period of time. Now, he was great when he had them, but that was, again... A limited amount of comic book series or a limited number of issues, I should say. How long and was the Gadgetini's series? Three seasons, I believe. Plus now that it's in syndication, it's still going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a good thing, by the way. I'm saying maybe they should have had like a limited series in the 90s. Anyway, I, I digress. Okay. So he doesn't have the adamantium anymore. He did it one time. It doesn't mean that the tentacles are not super strong. They are. They're just not adamantium reinforced at this point. Uh, you know, quick question. How resourceful? Is Doc Ock because he's he seems like from what I know about the character someone who's a great planner who brings a lot of resources to the table after he sets up a big thing you know he thinks in 4D chess and everything if everything goes well like I mean he could pull off some masterful things I don't doubt he couldn't beat a lot of superheroes all at the same time if he planned for it effectively but let's say he's in a random encounter neutral location not knowing what he's facing how good is he at improvising on the spot. You know, I've seen him do all kinds of great stuff. I think Dr. Octopus is smart enough to figure out a situation very, very quickly and then win over that situation very, very quickly as well. I'm not going to disagree with you that he's a prep time guy and that he always will have these countermeasures in place for defeating some of these other characters, especially ones that have been in his life a whole heck of a lot. There's no doubting that whatsoever. However, he is smart enough to improvise his way through things. All right, let me get to my point number two because it's actually going to answer directly uh, some of the points you brought up. So here's a really cool fact about Inspector Gadgets. You look at him, you're like, of course, this is a cybernetic or tech-based character. But believe it or not, he also has some superpowers. At least they translate into physicals, obviously based off the cybernetics. So let me kind of go into that in a little bit. He's got super strength. Uh, You know, his super strength is, is really interesting because it's not something that you see him do a whole lot. Again, when you can shoot lasers out of your hands or have a rocket pop out of your back, of course, you know, you don't always say like, hey, better lift something up. But he can do that. So how strong is he? Well, he's strong enough to pull up what looks to be at least a 65 ton tank off the ground with ease. Listen, large tanks can weigh way more. Smaller ones are about 65 tons. Let's just say it's that. He was actually up above the ground had to use his gadget tie to grab something and then pulled up the 65-ton tank without a problem. He's actually smiling and laughing as he's doing it. That's how great he is. Another time, there's a torpedo underwater, like under the gadget boat. So he takes his extended arm, sends it all the way down, loops it around the torpedo, catches it. Now, of course, the torpedo was going, you know, torpedoes travel at 230 miles per hour. They weigh over 3,600 pounds. There's a lot of momentum going on there, a lot of power. And he just grab, you know, casually reaches down, grabs it, turns it around, and then propels it and throws it even faster in the opposite direction. That's while he's sitting in a boat. It's not like he's leaning over trying to get leverage. Oh, no, he's just sitting in a boat and he lets his arm go. That's how strong that person is. But there's more, of course. He's got super speed. Yeah, that's the crazy part. 
He's able to completely inspect a hotel in seconds when he was looking for a bomb or something in the hotel. You see him whizzing around at super speed. It's insane. He can dodge both gunfire and lasers. He's so fast, he can actually ride a bike over water. That's how fast you can do that. Let's see, when he's facing another speedster, he was able to easily, almost unconsciously, Ray, this is really cool, dodge all of the speedster's attacks and hit them back so fast that they couldn't dodge it. Again, you have someone, a speedster, someone who moves, I don't think it was a flash level person, but someone who's moving at super fast, super speed, couldn't even see them. They were blurred every time they moved and they're trying to hit Inspector Gadget. And he's just like moving his head, bobbing, weaving. He's not even aware he's doing that. He's smiling, saying, why are you doing this, good sir, whatever. And then all of a sudden he hits him back super fast, faster than the speedster could track. That's how fast you can move. Let's see, he can move so fast that he blocked laser fire from a whole bunch of attackers. Now, the way he did this, I don't know why he did it, he blocked a whole bunch of laser fire from like a whole platoon of people by taking out each of his nine arms from his body and he blocked the lasers with coffee mugs he was holding. Why he has these super strong coffee mugs, I have no idea, but they're shooting him and he's just using the coffee mugs in his hands to block all the lasers while he's having a conversation off to the side with someone else. That's crazy. He's got super refunds. Look, Inspector Gadget, you know, this might just be cartoon writing, but let's just face it, he's so great. He reacts super fast. He's so fast, he's not even aware that he's dodging something. That shows his instincts for battle are also fantastic. His body somehow responds to an attack subconsciously or unconsciously. At one point, Inspector Gadget is taking a nap, and these two villains try to sneak up on him. They aim their weapons, and all of a sudden, two arms come out of the body of Inspector Gadget and beat up the two villains. So that also speaks to him actually being offensive and taking out people physically. Of course, that was in the Inspector Gadget, the Gadgetini series, you know, that we all love. Uh, on top of that, this is the big one. He's got super durability. And this is where Inspector Gadget really pulls ahead of Doc Ock. So unlike Doc Ock, who can get injured really easily, Inspector Gadget has superhuman durability. Yeah, I said it. To the point where it's pretty much ridiculous. So when attacked by a large mob of people and it's a cloud, you know, old school animation, it's a cloud and you see a foot over here, then a fist over there and a leg over there and a head pop up. That mob of people come in and attack him just in serum. And for two seconds, you don't know what happens. And he just steps out and he's smiling and walks away. Not a scratch on him. He didn't do anything. It was really, really cool. Let's see. And then on top of that, he was tanking laser fire from this person's super laser gun. He was tanking it and just walking through it. And then that same person shot off to the side a large battleship that then sunk with one shot. Inspector Gadget was tanking that. He's walked through dozens of powerful explosions going off all around him, being completely unfazed by them. When he got hit directly by a small nuclear blast, Ray, a nuclear blast that destroyed buildings and everything else in the vicinity, he got knocked down for a second and gets back up smiling and say, what happened to the buildings? Oh, well, gets up and walks off. He tanked a small nuclear blast. He got zapped with 3 million volts of electricity. was absolutely fine. He got hit by a building, Ray, a building thrown at him by a giant the size of Godzilla. They just picked up a building and smashed it on Inspector Gadget. The building crumbles apart, and Inspector Gadget is just standing there absolutely fine. He got pulverized into the ground by a kaiju-sized robot the same way that the Hulk did to Loki in the first Avengers movie. You know, the whole puny god thing where he flings him on one side or the other, smashing the ground. Well, this kaiju-sized robot did that to Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget got up and was absolutely fine again. So on top of the 13,000 gadgets or more he's got, Doc Ock is fighting someone with insane super strength, super speed, super reflexes, and even more super durability. At this point, I legit don't know how Doc Ock is going to even hurt Inspector Gadget. That's my point number two. 
Very interesting. You're going to rely a little bit on the Toon Force. Now, Inspector Gadget is known for being more lucky than having Toon Force. Now, I would argue the hotel example with the speed. Uh, I believe Inspector Gadget uses a cinematic technique called Elliptical Void, where they don't show you every single thing that's happening. So therefore, it appears as if he checks an entire hotel in six seconds. But that is filmmaking, James. They don't actually do it in six seconds. It's just for the people at home. They don't want to watch Inspector Gadget check a hotel for the entire length of time. It would actually check him to do it. Let's keep that real. I also looked up one of your lies earlier. You talked about Gadget and the Gadgetides. You said something like three or four seasons. It is a 2002 French spin-off show. So this is, of course, while you would like to consider it official canon, a spin-off show should be considered the same as a crossover in that it should consider uh, it should hold a lot less weight. And it was only one season, James. Now it was 52 episodes of one season, but only one season all the same. I don't like you bringing lies into my season four of the Who Would Win show. The other thing I would argue, Dr. Octopus has a lot of great wins. Inspector Gadget doesn't have a lot of great physical wins over other characters. It seems like he's fighting the lowest level of the food chain of enemies. And any hero worth his salt could take care of them with his eyes closed, as it sounds like Gadget has done. Giant-sized kaiju opponents, kaiju-sized monsters. Gadgetini's crossover, James. No, it's, it's the same storyline. And uh, hey, by the way, how many episodes is this, like an animated series these days in a season? How many is that again? Just wondering. Is oh, there... like, you know, like 10, oh, 12, 10. 13. Really? Like but 10. this is a different era, Interesting. James. And this had how many? 52 episodes. Got it. Got it. So one season. By the way, it is officially a continued storyline from the original Inspector Gadget uh, it's, series. It's referred to as based on Inspector Gadget. It's so, uh, really Penny, Brain, the same guy, the whoever, you know, we'll talk about them. It. Yeah, it's all good. All right, Brent Pope, we're now at the turning point. This is where you have to tell us who you think is ahead and what the other side has to do to pull out a victory. All right. Well, first of all, I want to kind of weigh in on this Gadgetini season. Feel free to, to talk back to me about this. But it seems like even though it is some kind of crossover, 52 episodes is a lot of episodes, Ray. And it does have a Gadget and Penny and Brain. So I'm not saying I'm going to count it like 100% as much as the, 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 the 80s and the 90s Gadget, but I'll take it into consideration. It no, seems like that's... It's- it should be considered, Brent, but given less weight. That is the rule. Yeah. I'm even, a stickler for rules. Ray, I like rules. Ray, this is something I've been wanting to ask you for a while. Do you understand what a crossover means? I understand what it means in my heart, James, and that's all I worry about. That's fair. You've got your own definition. Okay, continue, Brent. Okay, so where I'm at right now is, um, you know, after round one, I was pretty uh, I was pretty set that Doc Ock was going to take this. What I, I guess what I'm concerned about now is I did not realize – the speed. I know we're not talking about checking out the hotel in in a minute, but like if he's avoiding a speedster and he's beating up a speedster, obviously that's fast. So now I'm concerned a little bit about Doc Ock's speed because that's not what he's known for. He's a little bit ambling, and you know. So I guess from both of you, I still want to see like how is I can see how Gadget's going to kind of avoid, um, be able to avoid him and not be hit by Doc Ock. I'm not sure how he takes Doc Ock out. And the same with Doc Ock. I, if he cannot, how does he deal with this speed? Now that I know that there's this speed factor that I was not aware of, I guess that's the two main things. And then as always, I'm big into like, I want to hear a specific scenario, how it plays out. And then I'll kind of base it on which one of those stories 
I buy better. Got it. So you need something a bit more concrete to say, how does this character A be character B decisively? Yes. And also, I, you know, I, I have, I'm not really sure about either one of them, how long they could fight. If you guys could weigh in on that a little bit, because I think that's a big thing too, is one, if, if one of them has a, a way longer time that they could fight and stay and be able without leaving, uh, that would be important to know too. Got it. Interesting. Okay. This is good, Ray. This is a great way to start off season four. Go ahead and history your point number three. Point number three. Let's just talk about some of the actual wins that actual Dr. Octopus has actually had because he's got wins in actual fights of combat where two people were fighting James, not one person fighting and one person obliviously dodging things. He's got wins, of course, against Spider-Man. He's got a win against the Black Cat. He's got a win against the owl, who is sort of a kingpin type of, you know, a mobster character that he went, ran afoul of a whole lot in a few of his stories. He's got wins against Daredevil, who's an extremely good fighter, an acrobat, and somebody with superpowers. And he's also got a win against, uh, two wins, I should say, against the Punisher. So you talk about somebody bringing firepower against Dr. Octopus. Well, he beat the Punisher more than once, and in fact cleaned his clock quite honestly punisher was not ready for what those arms could do but he's got even more impressive wins than that he once fought the arrest of the sinister six so five villains simultaneously and defeated them all you want to talk about a speed feat brent pope he was able to defeat sandman mysterio electro vulture and hobgoblin all at the same time with seemingly minimal effort minimal effort one time he fought tony stark in his iron man suit and absolutely destroyed him ripped up the iron man suit he once held to had the strength to hold down thor on the ground and pin him to the ground which would also equate victory in what we're doing he beat the incredible hulk in a fight knocked him around beat him down beat him up the incredible hulk one of the strongest most iconic strength characters in all of Marvel Comics, he defeated the Hulk. We ain't seeing Inspector Gadget defeating anyone on the level of the Hulk. But the intellect has to go into it as well, because he's going to come up with on-the-fly ways to win battles. I found out through the research of this that he can spin around his claws, his tentacles, his arms, to the point where he can create up to a 50-mile-per-hour windstorm. We've seen winds that strong blow out walls and doors and glasses, uh, regretfully, in some areas of the country where hurricanes are happening. What's going to happen when Inspector Gadget tries to use his go-go gadget rocket boots or his go-go gadget laser gun or whatever your nonsense talking about, and that go-go gadget copter pops out and he starts flying around? Dr. Octopus absolutely would have the smarts and the knowledge of the moment to whip his tentacles around, creating a 50-mile-per-hour windstorm and blow Inspector Gadget three towns over, winning by battlefield removal. And the other way that I see Dr. Octopus, outside of just merely tearing him apart, let's keep it real, he could 100% do that. If you can beat the Hulk, you can beat Inspector Gadget. The other way I think he could win is... As the master planner, he controlled all the tech in New York City with just his mind. If he can control the tech in New York City with just his mind, what is Inspector Gadget at the end of the day but tech? Dr. Octopus has control telepathically to his own arms. Why would that not potentially extend telepathy or just using good old-fashioned engineering to defeat 
Inspector Gadget take control of all his gadgets and use them against him. He's not going to have an answer for that. He's not going to be able to do it. And the last thing I got to talk about, Dr. Octopus once used his, his own machines to put his consciousness into Peter Parker to become the superior Spider-Man, one of the greatest characters of all time, utilizing the brains and the stick to of Dr. Octopus with the physical gifts of Peter Parker. One could argue over that, what was it, 34 issues on the original run? One could make the argument that was the best Spider-Man has ever been. That was absolutely a Spider-Man who could take control. Why? He made spider robots, which fought crime all over the city and allowed him to have a normal social life. The thing that Peter Parker in his own life could not do. We've seen him use a lot of robots to his advantage as well. Again, what's stopping him from either using robots to overwhelm Inspector Gadget or just taking over his body? You can clearly see why Dr. Octopus is too much for Inspector Gadget, and that's my point number three. There's a lot of Ray Sicanus nonsense in your point number three. Some of it was good. Some of it liked it. By the way, I love Superior uh, Spider-Man, but I love Superior Octopus more. That's when, right, right. It's actually a different character. And what's really cool about them is, uh, you know, about that character is when that character actually had to put their mind, Peter Parker's mind back in the original body. He then cloned that body again to have it. And then when something happened, I forget the actual storyline, but then I think it was Norman Osborn was threatening the city or doing something bad. And in this act of valiant heroism, heroic act, Doc Ock said, fine, take it, take, you know, he sacrificed himself and had his mind reset back into his original Doc Ock body. That's where he is. So all that, unfortunately, I wish it stayed on with the character forever, but he's back to just being regular Doc Ock right now unfortunately let's see a couple other things you talked about if he creates a hurricane with his tentacles clearly inspector gadget will you will say will will use his suction cups he'll say go go gadget copter it won't work and suction cups will come out of his feet and that's what i have no idea if that's going to work or not it's just a thing i thought of uh when he got help when he held thor he didn't hold thor he wrapped a tentacle around thor this happened in a battle in the original secret wars comic book that, that's how much of a nerd i am by the way back in the 80s he held him for one comic book panel and Thor was like, I've had enough of this, blows everything up and throws everyone off of him. It wasn't like he pinned him on the ground. And finally, that defeat of the Hulk was with adamantium tentacles back in the 90s. Again, really impressive, he has. but not he something has. he still has, unfortunately. All right. A lot of nonsense there, but valiant effort nonetheless. Let's go. Let me go to my point number three. And this is something I'm going to reveal a weakness of Doc Ock that I'm not happy that I'm going to do. But I got to do it because, Ray, you're arguing very, very well. So Doc Ock's weaknesses actually play to Inspector Gadget's unintentional strengths. So. Doc Ock, he's many things. He's a genius, Ray, you said it. He's sometimes misunderstood, which is really cool. But he's one thing in particular more than others. And one of those things is the fact that he's human. So according to the official Marvel Wiki, it states that with the use of his, without the use of his artificial tentacles, Doc Ock possessed the normal human strength of a man of his age, of his age, height, and build who engages in no regular exercise. Let me repeat that. This is a character that engages in no regular exercise, right? What so is, you're saying he has race to Canis level strength. I'd say he has Ray level uh, race to Canis level strength and endurance, which means no strength and no wow. endurance. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy thing. So here's the deal. His arms are very impressive. They help him level up against strong opponents, no doubt, but these are opponents that he has to be able to hurt. And as I've just brought up, hurting Inspector Gadget is going to be really hard to do. It's that durability. I don't think it's tune force. I think it's cybernetics at play. 
you know, whatever. But it's hard to hurt this guy and keep him down. We've seen that over how many episodes. So here's the deal. Doc Ock's body can't take too much punishment before it falls apart. He gets knocked out or even worse. Here's another weakness, which is even more of a factor, I believe. Doc Ock is insanely arrogant. So he's so arrogant. He's actually cocky. And we've seen this. His arrogance makes him so overconfident in fights that he'll overlook or dismiss something when he's fighting an opponent. You know, this has happened to Doc Ock, by the way, where he got losses against Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, Daredevil, the Punisher, and the Hulk. All those defeats. He's got lots of good wins, but all those defeats I just mentioned were because Doc Ock thought whomever he was fighting at the time wouldn't have a good chance to beat him for whatever reason, especially Daredevil and the Punisher. And sure enough, both Daredevil and the Punisher have caught him off guard you know, while they're fighting and do have victories over him. So this is a quote from the official Marvel Wiki. On many occasions, Otto's pride has been a major factor in many of his defeats. Otto considers himself to be the smartest person on the planet and that he could never be wrong due to his massive intellect. Sounds like Ray Stacanus. This confidence in his own intelligence frequently causes him to ignore factors that could derail his plans, leaving him unprepared for when these factors come into play. So think about it for a second. All of a sudden, Doc Ock is facing what he thinks is a bumbling buffoon in Inspector Gadget. He'll think he's more powerful than Inspector Gadget with his robotic arms. He'll think he's way smarter, which he kind of is. He'll laugh. He'll taunt Inspector Gadget for a moment. And then he goes in for the attack. And that's when Inspector Gadget not only doesn't get hurt, but he deploys his own robotic arms, activates his helicopter, flies Doc Ock into the air accidentally. I don't know where he's doing it. Shoots him accidentally with his superpowered finger lasers, which can disintegrate metal and guns like right then and there and drops him to the ground in a heap because that's what Inspector Gadget does. Look, I've tr- I have I had this guy I used to train with in MMA and I referenced him in the iconic episode of Who Would Win, Scooby-Doo versus Michael Myers. You know, I'm talking about Clay and Clay was this person, bad ankles, bad hands, bad elbows, the whole thing. Couldn't even walk properly, but for whatever reason, whenever he fought or sparred, he'd win and he would win in submissions and boxing, kickboxing. Someone would give him a left hook, it hit him in the face, it'd spin around, he'd have his arms up, and an elbow would clock the person in the head in the temple, knocking that person out. Someone going for a takedown, Clay would wiggle accidentally, not literally, hey, my name's Clay, I'm not really sure what's happening, and then he gets taken down, lands on both the guy's knees horribly, breaks both of them, gets up, he's won the fight. This is what Inspector Gadget does. How do you prepare for someone like that, who is so unpredictable, so out of the norm, that even that person themselves doesn't know what's happening at the moment, but is open to staying in the fight and staying there because he's so durable, it's going to be hard to put him down. Listen, when you're fighting someone with a dad bod, no offense to people with dad bods, they're awesome. But when you're fighting someone with a dad bod with great tech, and that dad bod cannot take that punishment against someone who can actually take that punishment and dish out crazy offensive capability in an unpredictable way, even when they're not aware of what's happening, the win is going to go to that person who has the better win record, who's pulled off more wins doing that. And in this case, it's Inspector Gadget. That's my point number three. A lot of interesting points that you're making there. Of course, I disagree with almost all of it. Uh, Let's talk for a moment about the big elephant in the room I haven't mentioned yet. And that's the fact that Inspector Gadget relies completely on outside interference to overcome nearly every single obstacle that's ever been put in his way. Penny and brain, these gadgetinis, the, the chief inspector, whatever, all of these people have stepped in at certain points. We remember the intro to inspector gadget when uh, brain has to hold up those two wooden posts to make sure he doesn't fall off a building while walking on a tightrope brain is to and inspector gadget has no idea what's going on. He has no idea that anyone's helping him. 
him. He relies almost entirely on someone else to bail him out. When it comes time for him to have to handle things on his own, he is completely incapable of it. I would argue that without outside interference, Inspector Gadget would have lost almost every single fight he's ever been in. It's never a one-on-one affair, whereas Dr. Octopus wins these fights all the time. One-on-one, I leave you with this one thought, and that's that I could absolutely see this fight starting and Dr. Octopus swinging the arms and throwing cinder blocks and Inspector Gadget not knowing what's going on, uh, accidentally bending over to pick up a quarter like I posited earlier and completely being missed by all these attacks. But to what you said, James, there's a point when Inspector Gadget will have to turn around, pull out the 13 lasers and get serious about this fight. I believe that the second Inspector Gadget actually knows what's going on, that's when his loss, that's when his downfall will occur because that's the point. The dumb luck and the outside influence bailouts will stop happening for him when he's forced to fight on his own merits. Dr. Octopus will overwhelm him. You know, I got to agree that the dumb luck factor is something that is a consistent with Inspector Gadget. However, I'll disagree very quickly the brain and the you know the brain and penny help lead him to wherever the villain is when it comes to taking on a threat right then and there he's actually okay but to actually solve the crime and find out where the villain is yeah he definitely needs i'm in agreement he definitely needs outside help all right brent pope you've heard three points from race Kings. you heard three points from me it's the inaugural battle of season four tell us who wins this fight take us through your process tell us the story and again who wins between inspector gadget and doc ock I'm going to be really honest with you right now. As I am speaking right now, I do not know who won this fight. So I'm going to talk and I'm going to come to some <laughs> kind of decision. I guess responding to a couple of things, just where my head's at. I don't think that Doc Ock necessarily needs the adamantium tentacles in this. I think he could win or lose without them. I don't buy the hurricane battlefield removal because of, of what James said. Also, I think he would uh, use like the suction cups or something. You know, one of the things that James said, too, is Doc Ock is so arrogant. I could see him just scoffing at this buffoon. I do think, though, if I'm going back to past battles that we've seen, Inspector Gadget will not have, he can't use Penny and Brain. I'm not saying that he always depends on them, but he does depend on them somewhat for help. Doc Ock has defeated a lot of crazy Marvel characters that are unpredictable, fast, strong, durable. And so I guess just based on what what I've seen both of them do before, and I know that he's got a dad bod, but hey, it's 2022. <laughs> it's the year of the dad bod, and Doc Ock takes this one. Oh, that's oh wow. Relief. Wow. It, so much was going through my head as you were taking us through this, Brent Pope. But, you know, the, the reality is that when you can beat Spider-Man, who really is listed as one of the most unpredictable and resourceful beings, never mind heroes, in all of comics, outside of Marvel and everything, I can see what you're saying. I can see what you're saying. At the same time, I kind of want to see Inspector Gadget in the uh, Marvel 616 universe just to see what kind of hijinks ensue. So with that being said, Race to Canis, congratulations on the very first win of the very first episode of season four. What do you have to say? Tell us, tell the Legion of Audience how you're feeling right now. I feel a little bit like Dr. Octopus in that I came into this battle so out of my mind believing that I was going to win, so incredibly overconfident that when you started throwing a few of the feats from Inspector Gadget at me that I was not, quite frankly, aware of, 
I started getting real nervous. Like one of Dr. Octopus's plans where a whole bunch of stuff he didn't account for suddenly bites him in the butt and causes his machination to fail. I am so happy. We have a judge finally, finally, (laughs) finally on this show who can see reason, who can understand crystal clear arguments and who can understand that I'll be honest. If Inspector Gadget didn't rely so heavily on Penny and Brain to to bail him out so much, if he was allowed to have them in this battle, I do believe you would have had the winning argument today. This is a lot closer than I ever expected it to be. I would say good job to you, but I don't want to encourage you. I'm already encouraged. Sorry. Here's the thing about Doc Ock. I really like this character. Now, I, I would never took him that seriously until the superior Spider-Man thing where he takes over Peter Parker's body. Great series. Great series. And then all of a sudden he's actually kind of noble in his own way. And that just made me, and then then everything made sense about this character. He's highly misunderstood. All he wants is validation. That's it. He wants respect. That's right. He When when he finally got superior Spider-Man's body, Peter Parker's body, he really just was like then creating, I think a huge business went into tech. You know, started yeah, hiring he people. Actually, he actually founded, like, what was it? Parker uh, Industries. Parker Industries. Right. Yeah, he created his own Stark Industries as Peter Parker. And actually, he was so mad that Peter Parker wasn't an actual doctor that he took himself to school and he actually became a doctor as Peter Parker so that he could get that respect for Peter. What, what kind of, like, how do you even classify this person as a villain anymore? When he finally gets the Can't. ultimate win, defeats his ultimate enemy and what's he do he actually makes the that per, that enemy better educates them better you know starts up a big business benefits society creates technology that will help people fights crime this is an awesome character this is a really good guy so i'm kind of happy you got the win so so james you would argue that defeating your opponents by improving them is a legitimate thing i and if you're doc ock and you do what you did yes absolutely 100 100 all right now brent pope you know, I wish I could have got the win, but I got to tell you, both Ray debated properly and you brought some insanely good logic with you. I'm okay with this decision, but I'm going to bring it much harder next time. So thank you for coming on to the show. We love having you. Legion of Audience thinks you're fantastic. Tell everyone where they can find you online. First, James, I want to say you argued fantastic. I did not think that Gadget had a, you know, a snowball's chance in hell. And <laughs> I mean, I thought it was real close. And, you know, also, Ray, I think if Penny and Brain are involved, I think Doc Ock's first move is to just take them as hostages and the fight over immediately. You know what? You might be right, actually. You might be right. I think this has to be written somewhere. I want to to read this. (laughs) You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Scoops Pope. You can go to my website, brentpope.com. You can see all my TV appearances there. And I just redid all the pictures on my website. So it's all kind of brand new. So check out brentpope.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on again, guys. I know you had no choice, but thank you anyway. <laughs> we we didn't, but we enjoyed it anyway. It was fantastic. All right, Ray Cicadas, again, congratulations on the very first win of season four. Tell everyone where they can find you. I deserved you. it. Well, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. I want to take a moment and address all the Rainiacs. Here we go. All the hashtag awkward allies out there in the world. And you are Legion. You are mighty. You are all of the above. But first off, I would love to read a five-star review that we just got in for the show. It says, love it. 
Hashtag nobody wins is the name of this reviewer. I don't know if it's Robert Clark Chan, but it very well could be. It says, love it, but stop using Santa Claus. He's too OP. Yeah, that's true. Also, use Batman. Also true. Because apparently we don't use Batman enough on this show. I think. And use one episode with Voldemort versus Percy Jackson or Batman versus Mad Max. That's a terrible idea. Nobody wins. That's a bad episode of this show. I'm trying to create my own comic universe with my best friend, the Tweak the Cat series. Well, you just got a ref on the Who Would Win show. Hashtag nobody wins. But that Batman versus Mad Max idea is pure garbage. I hope your Tweak the Cat series is better than that. Again, Twitter at Almighty Ray. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Is that with the dad bod? Or are you going to improve the dad bod in, in season four? Like, what's that? There's many reasons I have respect for Dr. Octopus and his beautiful specimen of a physical physique is one of them all right now uh you find, sorry get through me you can find me on twitter instagram and facebook by typing in at james gabsy remember to join the official who would win facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community you can also find us on instagram at who would win show don't forget to subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever else you go for your podcasts on behalf of myself race Sicanus, the geek and game community and the rest of the amazing who would win team thank you once again for listening to another episode of who would win we'll see you next time Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters. You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. Guttingthesacredcow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.